The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And uh, we have Dwight joining us, uh, uh, the, the founder of Forge, and he's been on former podcasts as well. And uh, really excited for today. But before we dig into the topic, uh, we just wanted to give you a heads up on some upcoming episodes that you're going to begin seeing. Uh, we normally release the Fuel for the Harvest episodes on Tuesdays, but we're adding additional episodes to be released every single Thursday. They're going to be short snippet devotionals. We're talking two to five minutes just to really add some more fuel for your week as a laborer. Um, they're going to be called Monumental Moments on the Fuel for the Harvest podcast and uh, led by Melissa Machenbacher. She's been on episodes in the past and co-hosted with us. You've heard her voice before. Um, we're really, really excited for these episodes. So be looking for those. And uh, today's topic that we really want to dig into is endurance. We feel uh, that there's a huge need for endurance in our world today and in the kingdom of God, and that it's not talked about enough. Um, there's multiple resources at Forge that cover this topic that would add fuel. Um, uh, one of them, our key one, is It's My Turn. Uh, just about 20 historic people that we would label as kingdom laborers, that we think Jesus would label as kingdom laborers, and uh, all throughout history, people who've made an impact. But when you read their stories, and it's my turn, you can find this on the Forge website, you can find it on Amazon and other places, you'll find that they faced difficulty. How did they endure? Uh, you'll find stories in Mud Runner as well about facing difficulty, how to endure, how to run the race. Hebrews uh, says, let us run the race marked out for us with endurance. So how do we do that? What does that look like? And that's what we want to dig into uh, today. So Dwight, we're so excited. Thanks for being on uh, this episode and and willing to share your heart with us on this topic. My pleasure. I'm excited about sharing today because uh, uh, I've been running a race for a while, uh, learning a lot. I, I actually was a runner. I, I, uh, I the, My sport was track. Um, and I remember uh, so much advice and counsel uh, even related to endurance running, um, let alone sprinting, moments when you need to sprint it, how to how to fix your eye beyond the finish line. You know, for all of us, we got to fix our eye on the one we want to hear at the end of the race saying, well done, good and faithful labor. We fix our eyes on, I've got a, a, a young guy that I poured into many decades ago who's run a hard race uh, to the ends of the earth. And uh, he's often signed his letters, fix your eye on the prize. You, you know, my coach said, don't look at the don't look at the finish line and barely make it across. Look beyond it to somebody that's beyond it. That's Jesus for us. Look beyond it and run. I mean, the last part of your race should there should be a kick in it, he would say. And I've been privileged to be around people in the last decade of their life in their 90s. Some of these people I have relationships through life that. God put in front of me people who were even in their 90s who had a kick in their last decade of life. They were kicking stuff that I would think, how in the world in their lives were so full 
mm-hmm. of the spirit of God that my my life was recalibrated by them. Um, there's a there's a there's a thought for us to entertain, and that's to be exposed to the power of the gospel. That comes through those who suffered for it. Uh, fix your eye on the cross. Fix your eye on Jesus. That same passage, Charlie, you read about. It's fix your eyes on Jesus, and it goes on past the 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 verse that you read. Uh, it tells us who for the joy set before him. So he, his eye wasn't on the circumstances. Had it been, he'd have probably been overwhelmed. Uh, but for the joy set before him, uh, there used to be a generation that thought more about the future. They focused more on heaven. If I, I have actually, I'm one of those dudes that will go back and read or look at what they call hymns. Nathan, I remember when I pulled out what's called a hymn book. Uh, and you said, oh, I've, I've seen one of these. My grandparents have one of these. Uh, <laughs> but that generation who were enduring hardship, many of them, they were making it their way through some really hard stuff. Um, many of them did hard things uh, by which some of our listeners even received the gospel because they went to the ends of the earth, a generation that did a lot of hard things. They they packed their belongings in a in a box that was going to be what they'd be buried in. They, they never believed they would ever come back. They endured hardship like good soldiers, scripture tells us. Their eye fixed on most every one of those gospel songs or hymns. The last verse is about heaven. It's about seeing Jesus. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory, you know, but they were facing hardship. Um, and I, I think uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to get near the suffering church, the persecuted church, either through the pages of scripture, I mean, fix your eye on Jesus, it tells us. And then it says, you know, who, who endured, who endured the cross. It even says, you know, uh, this gives us a little permission to to not complain, but to recognize you can have an attitude about it and not like it. You could. It says, "Who despised the shame?" Mm. You know, consider him who endured such opposition at the hands of sinful men, and and it tells us who despised the shame. There was shame involved in the cross. Not just you're hanging up there naked, but you're you know you're hanging there as though you are a criminal, taking on the sins of humanity. The sins you've never done. You're innocent. You're innocent. And you're hanging there feeling the weight of all of that. This is the Lord of glory. So it's only, I think, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the first martyr, the first one who's suffering. And and I, I wanna I wanna say something about our eyes on Jesus. Don't just fix your eyes on Jesus on the cross. Because then that same passage reminds us, because you haven't yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. You know, which he did. Um, and there are there are martyrs that we have seen in our time. I remember watching these 20 Coptic Christians whose lives were ended on video that, that went around the world um, mm. in just the last decade, um, whose last words were Yeshua, were Jesus, uh, and, and whose eyes were clearly on Jesus as they crossed the finish line. Their eyes were fixed on something beyond their circumstances. But also notice how many times Jesus in his earthly ministry or even prior to his earthly ministry would have faced difficulty and challenge uh, that would be enough to, to undo some people, 
whether it was some of the squabbling that was going on within the people he was trying to train, who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the least. Yeah, Jesus, who's going to, who's going to be the biggest and, and the baddest. And, and, you know, you think about Jesus having to go through different things where he's trying to teach lessons and they're not getting it. Even right down after three years going, oh, Peter, you chopped his ear off. When did I teach you to do that? What in the world? You know, there are, there are moments where he had to just go, oh, is this ever going to get off the ground? This mission I came and this baton I'm trying to pass. And then they all disappear, you know, and he's told them you're all going to do this, but they do it. They leave him. And most would have thought he was alone. And he told them, you can read it in the scriptures. You'll, you'll all desert me. But I won't be alone. I'm never alone. The Father's always with me. And, and there's a secret in that for us. I, I would uh, I'd tell you that I, I think when we look at, and I've been so near, and you guys have been as well, some of those who've suffered for the sake of the expansion and the advance of the gospel. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of those people. I've been with them. We've been with them. Those of, of you who've listened to you week after week, who've who've gone to some of the harder places on, on our on our globe and you see your brothers and sisters who are enduring mm -hmm. they're enduring hardship like a good soldier and uh i i i read a quote yesterday by johnny moore who uh helped my friend jerry pattengale write the new book on christian martyrs and and the quote was i i just don't think you can be a fully discipled Christian unless you are being persecuted or somehow you get close to those who are. Mm -hmm. And from the earliest days in my life, God blessed me with, with, I couldn't get close physically with my life, but those who've read the book, it's my turn. There's 20 examples Charlie held up. Uh, I had people handing me, it started as a young boy, somebody handed me the book about John Patton. Uh, and and I, I read his biography. It was a child's version. But I was seeing somebody who, who was engaging the harder things and enduring to get the gospel to some people who would never have it otherwise. I finished this book so fast that that, that same person handed me another book that was about David Livingston, the trail maker. And, and reading that book, it was my way to get near people who believe that there's a cost involved if you're doing something worthy, that it may be hard. That coach that that was my first great track coach as a runner, um, the first time he ran us off the school grounds and down a country road, and I asked my friend, where does this go? And my friend says, it goes nowhere. Uh, and I said, oh, my word. He said, yeah, we're in a heap of trouble. We aren't going to see the school for a long time. And, and guys were holding their sides. They could hardly make another step. And we finally all end up over the next two hours, every guy finds his way back to the gymnasium at the school and coach starts making visits to every guy. And when he got to my locker in the men's locker room, he said, so Robertson, um, what do you think? And I said, well, I think you proved to us it's going to be hard. He said, yep, it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. So you're going to quit? I said, no, sir. And you know what he said to me, Nathan, Charlie? He said, we'll see. As though he knew some of us were going to quit. Mm. And I think the startling reality for us, any of us who are on the racetrack, we need to know a lot of people do. But by the time our first track meet happened, more than half of those who had signed up and showed up 
weren't there. He had just continued to pare us down, trying to get us ready for, for what was ahead. And, and the attrition uh, that, that we see, uh, Steve Farrar wrote, wrote a book, Finishing Strong. And in that book, he cites that 70% that of those who start a strong race will never finish the race. Statistically, that's been proven. Um, Billy Graham started with a lot of strident runners who were stronger preachers and, and, and more impressive personalities, and they didn't finish the race. They not only didn't finish the race, they denied the faith. Uh, it's, it's crazy, the longer you live, I'm in my, my sixth decade approaching my seventh, you, you just are startled. I, I had one guy come up to me to say, you know that among the guys you trained in ministry with, there are only two left. Oh my word, I thought, oh my word, there were scores and scores and scores of people in my classes. What in the world? Uh, the, the startling reality, even in the ministerial world right now, is they are having so many full-time pastors and ministry workers who are, who are quitting by the month. Um, it's it's hard. What I learned in that track experience, it's hard. But the coach finally asked me after a number of practices, he said, Robertson, why don't you quit? And I said, because it's worth it to me. Mm. It's worth it. To me. And you've got to focus on he's worth it. And the race is worth it. And the mission that he's given me, the, the race marked out for me is worth it. And then the only way you're going to continue to run is is with the enablement of the one who said, I will strengthen you. This is that great prophecy out of, out of Isaiah 41. It shows up again in 43. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you see those hands over my shoulder that are cupped like that? A lot of times uh, I, I start my day uh, cupping my hands before my provider. This was the way Israelites used to pray, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I come to you, uh, but but he says, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. I think there are times, y'all, when he just, he picks us up and carries us through. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. I, I'm, I'm going uh, to pause for a minute and catch my breath. You may have a question or two, and I've got, I've got a ton more thoughts. But yesterday, I, I was thinking about the topic we were going to talk about today, and my mind raced back to, I just heard it again during the Christmas holidays by a, a Christian musician called Stephen Curtis Chapman. He wrote it in his young days, never knowing some of the incredible hard things that he and his family would go through. Mm -hmm. Unthinkable tragedy. Um, but, but he was called to a race that he's still running. And here is this guy who's now a grandpa who started in his young 20s. Uh, who was singing this song, and I wept as I listened to it in December, and I revisited it again yesterday, his early version. I found it. I just, you can find it as, as you're listening. Um, and, and, and the lyrics are, his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. Hmm. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in his power, the weak become strong. His strength his strength is perfect. And, and I, I, I wrote down verse two because I wanted listeners with us right now to hear this. He said, we can only know the power that he holds when we truly see how deep our weakness goes. I'm telling you, you'll get to the end of yourself more than once in life on the race. 
And then he went on to write, his strength in us begins where our strength comes to an end. He hears our humble cry and he proves again, his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. So you cling to him in these bumps and moments where it feels like you're done. And you would be because you're out of resource. You're out of capacity. You can feel in your younger years like, I'll never get there. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Something comes you could never have expected out of nowhere. Uh, difficulties and hardships, whether it's in ministry or in life or in family or or physically or whatever, and suddenly you are at that place where you need more of him than you've ever needed before. One of our former itinerant speakers uh, ended up with brain cancer. Uh, he had a grand mal seizure 30 minutes down the road from where I was speaking on a, uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. Some people raced to where I was speaking and said, one of your forged speakers is, is in the hospital. He had a grand mal seizure while he was speaking. Got there, he was given a terminal uh, uh, diagnosis that he would not live a year. Um, he's, he's a grandpa today and still living, and that was close to 30 years ago. Uh, so, so defy the odds, but I can remember watching them cutting out pieces of his brain. I can remember all of what they were going through as a family, he had two young daughters, and, and, and he handed me the plaque uh, several years in that he was holding on to that said, when you get to the end of all you have, that's when you know he's all you'll ever need. It's so true. And uh, we have to, I think we have to reorient ourselves around this idea that the race is going to be hard. Because I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, for much of my life, believed that Christianity was all about me and my comfort. Uh, like it centered on me, like it was about what God would do for me. And obviously, the gospel has an essence of that, like he died on the cross for my sins. But running the race that he's marked out for us, we, we have to learn. And I think it needs to be shared and shared and shared again more and more often that the race is going to be hard, just like your coach told you. Like maybe less pe maybe the the tragic percentage of people who ditch early, uh, who don't finish well, would go down. Maybe that tragic percentage would decrease if more people understood at the beginning hey, this is going to be hard. It reminds me of Jesus's words uh, when he says, count the cost. And he's like, hey, before you make this decision, you should think about all the, the guy who goes to war with this guy. And he's like, he's taking into account that he's not trying to fix this in the middle of the battle. It's before he enters the battle or before he builds the building, like he's counting the cost. And so, uh, yeah, I think that maybe it should be a Sunday school lesson for every uh, young sixth grader out there. Hey, by the way, this race is not easy. It's you know, true. though, Nathan, I gotta, I gotta confess something. I, I've never told you guys, but in my younger days, for some odd reason, I ended up with so many people in front of me, whether they were seasoned missionaries or preachers or whatever, who, who they would say so many times, "It's gonna be hard." You know, and, and and I kept thinking, man, if you're trying to attract me to this Christian life, that that isn't the lure. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know if I want to have a part of this, you know, and, yeah. and I think that 
the surprising thing, because I got so exposed to that message, you think it should be a Sunday school lesson. I got so exposed to it. And, and keep in mind, you know, as a little guy, I'm reading, I'm reading this, this kind of material. And I'm going, whoa, whoa. But I'm also reading the adventure. You know, and I was a guy looking for where's the action? Where's the adventure? I, you know, I don't want to have a boring life. I want to have an adventurous one. And these were the people who it felt to me were, were on the cutting edge of where the adventure was. Uh, I, I, uh, I think it's true that there are secret things, secret things about being a Christian that you can only discover when it costs you something. I think that those secret really there are secret things statement. about being a Christian. What was that, Charlie? I was going to say I agree. I think that's a really powerful statement and idea, and uh, uh, is so so important. And even just to add on to what Nathan was saying before, um, I I totally uh, agree with with all of what you're saying on that. And uh, I think if people were united, like like this idea of adventure. Uh, like when the military is recruiting people, it's not just it's going to be hard. <clears throat> it's you're going to be part of a cause that will be, be a global force for good. Everybody knows it's going to be hard when they sign up, but they go, wow, it's so worth it. I want that. I want to be a part of something. And I think Jesus cast the same kind of vision. Hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. We're going to go change the world. Let's do this together. And uh, you're missing out if you don't get in on it. Like the guy walked away sad who was unwilling to give away his wealth. He missed out on being a part of something greater. And I wonder if it's not just, um, <clears throat> hey, it's going to be hard, but from a young age, it's not about you. It's about Jesus and about other people getting to know him. Because if you grasp the vision that it's about him and about others, you'll do anything to do that, to, to engage them, uh, to reach them um, and say, what if we could serve together? What if we could share with others together? Uh, I uh, I want to say, too, with that and, and what you were sharing earlier when we started this topic, I was on a call uh, just last week with underground house church leaders from China uh, who are missionaries in different regions. And I was just blown away by what they were sharing on the call. Uh, one said, hey, yeah, we served me and my family in Tibet reaching Buddhists, one of the toughest places on the planet. And now we're in another region of Asia. Uh, another one uh, said, hey, let's have this woman of God share. Uh, she went to a region of Asia with only enough money in an envelope to get there and no money to get back. And she started the underground network of believers in that region. Well, that's that's hard. But uh, another one said, this other woman has suffered more than most of us on the call. Can she share? Uh, she They forced her to eat poop, but she still praised the Lord to their faces. Um, these were the types of people but all of them full of joy, not even thinking twice about it. One, one of these believers on the call started weeping and said, I was just so moved when, when one of you shared that Bible verse. I, I just really wanted to hear that Bible verse. Uh, they were all thinking about Jesus and about his cause and about others, not really about themselves. And uh, it goes back to how do we endure it? We fix our eyes on Jesus. All of them were doing that, fixing their eyes on Jesus, fixing their eyes on his word and on his greater kingdom cause, which I think then compels them to say it's hard, but it's worth it because he's worthy of it. I'll face anything. I'll suffer. I'll die. Something else I've heard from some of these types of believers is, um, yeah, I've been to prison. Yeah, I've been beaten. Yeah, I've suffered. Yeah, I've been at the end of my life, but nothing hurt more than people I trust turning their backs on me. 
And so that relates maybe to more of us who are listening, saying, well, I've never been in prison. I can't relate to that. Yeah, but you maybe have had people backstab you and hurt you or emotionally come after you. And um, to know that your brothers and sisters who've stood in persecution stand with you saying, hey, we believe that that's been as hurtful to us as well. And yet when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he also endured that as well. Uh, thinking about Judas who betrayed him and others who who took his name through the mud and, and tried to destroy his cause. Um, and so I just wanted to say all of that is, man, you're, this, this concept of adventure and a greater cause for good, I think is so compelling. Well, and, and the secret things you come to know I think of, I, I was so affected by a woman uh, who is, has now received her reward, whose eye was on the prize, Corey Ten Boom, uh, who suffered through the Holocaust, was a prison camp uh, injury with, with her sister, Betsy, watched her sister die there. Uh, the suffering she endured, the hardship she endured, the persecution. And I remember with a glisten in her eye, hearing her say once, uh, there is no pit but that the love of God will not go deeper. She had come to know what scripture teaches us, the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, there is a closeness with Christ you will never experience any other way, but that to be so frail and weak within yourself that his nearness, his fellowship, his nearness, this who alone understands, alone understands. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, scripture teaches us. Uh, so, so when he's near, you feel a closeness. You would, that's why some people I've heard them say, you guys have heard it. People say, I would never trade it. it. The hardest thing they've ever been through. My wife yesterday was revisiting her father's death. He was 41 years of age, all four children left behind. Um, and she was revisiting that. And she said, that was when I, she started recounting the nearness of God, the, the, the way she got to know God's character through that. The and then and then I said, What what was there another time? She said, Yes, when we began losing children as a couple. Uh, and and there might be somebody listening that they're thinking that it's it's it can be in life, it can be something you're going through. We were just walking this journey with a couple this week who've gone through the pain and agony of the loss of a child through miscarriage and and um the agony. My wife, she said, I'm almost ashamed that I lost myself. I lost my moorings. I lost my balance. I, I lost my hope. I lost my faith. And I remember I, as a husband, I was, I was praying earnestly, fearful. What, what is going on? I've lost my wife in this. And how Jesus came to her rescue, almost like Peter, who just cried out, Lord, save me, help, when he's you know out in the water and he's starting to drown. We were praying those kind of gravitas prayers. It wasn't these, you know, it was just like, help, you know, it was desperation prayers. Lord, you got to help me. I'm going to sink. I'm going to sink. We're sinking here. And how he showed up. And, and she was saying, that's probably the most tenderness I've ever felt with the Lord Jesus as he cared for me and wrapped his arms around me and spoke to me and whispered things. He alone knew how to whisper to me. And, and I went in my own mind back to that same time and I'd gotten up about 4.30 a.m. and I tiptoed down to the lower level of our home and I sat with my Bible open, Lord, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And I would say in all of my years of living, it was probably one of the most tender times, hardest time ever, hardest time ever in our marriage and family life. But Jesus was there with us. 
And he's promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you you experience this, this thing about the secret things about being a Christian. It's only when you get you get out there where he's there. He said, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. Uh, when he's with you, oh my word, that fellowship of sufferings, and you guys have known it. I laughed with one of our speakers yesterday. I was on the phone with one of our speakers, and he was he was almost embarrassed about a situation where he was going, I can't believe that I'm I'm that, you know, that I would want comfort that much that wasn't going to be there. And I, I went back to a time when I was in South India and and there was a hardship I was facing. And I said, I'm ashamed of of just my weakness in that. Like I, there was there was shame in me as I look back on it. Why was I weak? Why was but I was tired and I was all these things. But I cried out to the Lord and he carried me. He carried me. So there is a preciousness and some of those become the highlight memories in your in your Christian life. You know, where you go, you don't go back and go, whoa, that was, you know, some of those are great to remember. But some of them that you remember is when the Lord himself was near you. The mm -hmm. Lord himself was near you. That's so true. And and I just want to highlight the the practical reality for us is to run to God in prayer when we face these moments that require endurance. Uh, like the God of the universe, the creator of everything is available for us to be with us, to be near us. And yet when we face obstacles, we're so quick to run to despair, to run to strategy, to sit down and think about it, which I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, um, to run to other people. How often do we run to prayer to say, God, I need you to show up right now. I, there have been multiple moments for me that have been horribly difficult as you're sharing as well. Uh, times out on the mission field, times out preaching, some of the worst days of my life, watching people die, uh, uh, my wife having a miscarriage going, Lord, what do I do with this? And Jesus showing up and speaking in prayer. Or uh, recently, um, uh, some of you heard about our journey with our son, Alistair. And then I was in Mexico this last summer, and it just so happens that while I'm gone, my wife gets bad news that he's not doing well, is in discouraged and despair and I'm like, what can I do? I can do nothing. Zero. Even if I'm there, what can I do? And so we run to prayer, I, to God's word. I, I'm like, I, I had to, to that evening just go by myself from the team and sit down uh, and open the Bible and read. And I felt the spirit of God just speaking verse by verse. And then I had to walk at that night behind this church building and just pray and wage war against the enemy um, and, and pray and ask God to intervene. And he answered, I get home and connect with my family. And we talk through it and whatever difficulty he had as me and my wife had been praying just reversed after we prayed, just completely different 180 turn. And, uh, I, I began to think, man, what if we, I didn't know what to do, but pray, but what if we hadn't prayed? I mean, we could still be sitting strategizing. What do we do? What do we do? How do we fix this? Uh, who do we need to call? What do they have to say how to fix this? Who've done this before um, and and neglect the one who could intervene at the greatest possible level and comfort us in the process? It, it can't be overstated. Um, there is uh, we if we are not uh, depending on Jesus, not just in these terrible and difficult and awful times, but in the good times as well, uh, we will find it impossible to follow him. Um, 
my mind is drawn to uh, John chapter 15, where he says, abide in me and you will produce much fruit. Verse five, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm like, whew, <laughs> it's so true. We can't do anything apart from him. Man, this has been such a good conversation and uh, I'm really excited. Thank you guys for listening in on this important topic of endurance. The world needs more laborers, more Christians, more lovers of Jesus who can endure hardship with joy. And that's a highly important thing as we fix our eyes on Jesus to do that. And uh, don't miss next week's episode. Uh, we're gonna be covering and continuing this conversation, uh, discussing how do we endure, the fuel of endurance. So Dwight, thanks so much for joining this episode and we're really excited to continue the conversation next week.